coming to the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Christofferson and Brunts. It is way too early in the morning for us to even try to be enthusiastic. I think it's 8 a.m. for those of you who actually get up and have lives well before that. But for us, it's difficult. <laughs> How do you monsters live like this? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't. You know what else I got today after this? I got a dentist appointment. And that's why I can't, I can't have, I feel like I can't have coffee because of the dentist appointment because you can't do that right to the dentist you mean yeah or i mean you, well you always don't you always want to give like your best representation of your teeth actually <laughs> yeah. like a false representation of your teeth to the dentist almost like, like you brush twice as much yeah. as a week and a half leading up to it yeah. as if somehow that final, like cramming for a test <laughs> do it. for I, a class that you just blew off all year I, yeah I, that, I, that's how i treat the dentist basically i do that the 24 hours before i brush like six times as though it like matters and i'm flossing all over the place there's floss on the kitchen table yeah when you think about being a dentist i mean the idea of having to smell people's morning breath or whatever it is all the time that would be i mean that would be terrible absolutely terrible that's why i did uh did him a solid i think here by not getting a coffee but you, you feel like though that hygienist when like shirley gets under the hood though like she's like no we we see what's going on here. It's all just smoke and mirrors. Oh, they know. Yeah, I've I've been chastised for f- that. I need to floss more a time or two. And I mean, life. I think you and every American that's ever <laughs> lived, despite the fact that there's no conclusive evidence that flossing is that much better for you than not. Ooh, yeah. Do you have this data? Should I come in? Yeah, with is, there, there, is, there, is there data? On this? There is data. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel comfortable enough with this data yet to roll in with it. It's like the data that you get, like probably once a month, where it's like, <laughs> coffee's really bad for you. Coffee's good for you. Coffee will kill you. Coffee helps your brain. She's gonna ask me, "Where'd you hear that, silly?" And I'm just gonna be like, "Oh, I, re- I read it in a periodical." And I, I, I won't have a good like Huffington Post. Yeah. He's looking. Stats right. department hard at work looking for <laughs> flossing statistics already this morning. The podcast uh, is off. This might be something where I have to uh, go back and find the article well, I read. You need to tell the people I think it was an NPR week. thing, though. Oh. They oh. were discussing, like, how um, it's basically something pushed by dentists, but it's not necessarily linked to any greater um, for your health, basically. So if I get questioned on where I'm getting this from, I say, well, I heard it on All Things Considered. So basically what you're saying is, is that Big Floss has been forcing this on people for years. Yeah, actually. But... I mean, that was kind of where the, the whole thing was going. Wow. So It's all a lie. It seems like it. A little bit more information next week to the listeners might be required. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I should probably... It's a hell of a cliffhanger. In the name of journalistic integrity, I probably shouldn't throw out such things, but, you know. The Nebraska 24-7 podcast doesn't concern itself with that. So that's what's on my agenda. That's good. And that's why I don't have a coffee. I just thought you guys probably were wondering. I I wasn't because (laughs) I I don't really ever notice these things. I I stopped on the way over here and got a coffee, and I was, like, so zombied out that I was, like, standing there holding the cup and felt like it was kind of burning my hand, and I was like, "I, I need to get a sleeve. Like, there was, like, some kind of thing, receptor in my brain that was like, your hand is really hot. And so I asked the guy, I was like, do you guys have sleeves? And he was like, You're, you already have one on the cup. Like, I was just that zoned out. Do you, like, even if it's warm out in the summer, do you still feel that you need a coffee? Yeah. 
Because if do I don't too. get if I don't get like two cups of coffee by like ten a.m., it's like migraines all day. I don't get it. I yeah, don't. I have the same sad addiction. It's also the smell. Like I need that like smell in the morning in the kitchen. Yeah. And without it, I'm just it's no no go. Right. Yeah. Well. It's, uh, so it's a high energy podcast this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, we're we're bringing it. We're talking dentists and coffee. You can you can tell that spring football has come to its conclusion. Weather outside is great, though. <laughs> in, in our defense, nice. it's possible we could be talking about this like in the middle of the season too. I could see it. All right. Well, we'll have to keep in mind to, to call back here for your six month checkup, which would put it. Yeah. What, November. Yeah, it does. Right after right after that uh, Wisconsin game. I was thinking right after Ohio State to start the month. Oh yeah, you're right. My dentist is a great guy, but he's an avid Husker fan, and he at, he likes to talk about the team while he's got me going. You know, yeah. Below. When you can't talk and you're so, getting asked, ah, yeah. What do you think about this kid? And what do you think about this recruit? <laughs> You've got like, I can kind of understand. Maybe okay. They're they're like gifted at it. They like have kind of figured out what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, oh, you think uh, Adrian Martinez is going to win the job? Is he a they, po- like, get that out of that. Is he a podcast listener? I don't know. He, you you he could be like be. he'd be like, "Well, what's the podcast?" It was like, "Well, we talk occasionally talk about flossing and football." Yeah, is he going to be I'll now that you've revealed yourself as a guy who you know goes hard in the paint only <laughs> when necessary? Yeah. Do you want your dentist to be a podcast? We listener? might have to chop those first <laughs> 8 minutes. <laughs> This could be uh, trouble for me. For There's no turning back. <laughs> There's absolutely no turning back. All right, let's let's turn this to Nebraska. <laughs> pivot it. Yeah, pivot. There we go. There we go. All right. The draft was over the weekend. Nebraska had one player selected in Tanner Lee, which is one less than I expected. I thought Joshua Kalu would get taken late in that draft. He did not. General thoughts on Nebraska's keeping its streak alive, you know, all of these things that have just died over the years with the draft streak and I guess the Super Bowl streak are the, the things that uh, have survived, endured, if you will. Were, were you, aside from Kalu, were, did you think like Chris Jones? Like, I thought maybe he had a shot. Maybe. I didn't. He didn't. He's not someone that is going to jump off the page at a combine aside from just his long arms. Yeah. Because he's not that fast. He, I don't think he ran particularly well. No, he for... didn't. He needed to, to run a little bit better. Um, and so I wasn't shocked. And, and then he didn't play much of his senior year. And so he just – I think he could certainly grind out a spot on a roster on a practice squad very easily. I think that Chris Jones is a talented defensive back, but – I just didn't see him getting drafted because of the way that kind of his senior year played out, unfortunately, for him. And I think there's there's apprehension. I mean, we don't know if he's 100% recovered from the knee thing or not, if he was able to fully run when he needed to. Um, and it just, to me, it didn't seem like he was going to get selected. I do, there's one regret that I had. I had someone tell me that there was a 1,000% chance that Ben Miles was going to end up with the Atlanta Falcons. That they had worked him out like multiple times Luke leading McNitt. up to this. Thing. Or yeah, yeah, I said Ben Miles. Luke McNitt. Um and that's uh that was one of the guys that signed as an undrafted free agent. And I think there's a good chance he's gonna end up making that roster because they use a the fullback. They have a need 
in that position, and they really like him yep. a lot. He's and set, he's a special teams guy for sure. He's set up really well. They, I mean, those guys who where they talk to a team for weeks and weeks, and that's what he did with the Falcons. Like the running backs coach came to Lincoln, and then he talked with Dan Quinn, you know, already. So, I, yeah, I think McNitt's going to be one of those guys Husker fans probably weren't thinking about, but we'll be surprised at. Um, I do think at some point it's like – with preseason rankings and stuff like that, you lose the benefit of the doubt too. Like if you're a program like Nebraska where you're struggling and you've been kind of in this mediocre to less than mediocre state for a while. And, you know, there's a bunch of pro scouts that were here when at pro day, there were like 25 teams or something, but I think it's still like back 20, 25 years ago, I think an NFL team was like, yeah, he plays for Nebraska. Of course we'll take him in the fourth round. Like, you know, he comes from good stock kind of thinking. And now I think that's lost a bit. And until Nebraska starts winning again, they're not going to get that benefit yeah. when it comes to things like this. And, and frankly, they just haven't produced enough players. Nope. And – that's kind of where it comes down to, and I mentioned this on the message board. I think you wrote about it a little bit. I'm sure it's been talked about. You look at the classes that would have been in this draft unless they were a two-year guy. You're talking 2013, 2014. The end of uh, of Bo Pelini's run in that 2013 class in particular is all over the board. I mean, you have Malik Collins and Randy Gregory, guys that left early, guys that had incredible talent, guys that, uh, you know, both with the Dallas Cowboys, Gregory, if he gets reinstated, could be a very good player for him if he's able to stay on the straight and narrow. And beyond that, in that class, it just was a miss after a miss after a guy that left the program. So they just – you didn't have a ton of fifth-year seniors that you were going to be throwing out there mm-hmm. uh, that were going to earn that. And then that 2014 group, you still got a lot of guys left on the team, but your four-year guys just weren't – in that same category either where they were, you know, Chris Jones, Josh Kalou were the best ones of them. And Kalou probably just missed being drafted and Jones as well. So it, it makes it really hard when those are your, your front end guys that you're sending out out of a class because of just the lack of development from the Riley staff or uh, recruiting forethought from Polini. I mean, it just, that's where you're going to get those low numbers from. It's interesting when you go back and look at that 13 class, and you know it was 22nd uh, in the 24/7 Sports composite. You had a couple guys that were part of the class but didn't make it. Demaria Mixon was uh, was one, um, and then you go through the the four star guys in this class that you were kind of expecting to be the bell cows of it. It's Terrell Newby, Randy Gregory. Adam Taylor, Josh Banderas, Johnny Stanton, Marcus Newby, and A.J. Natter. Those are your four-star guys. And, you know, the, the guys that are on NFL rosters now are you know, Malik Collins, who was, you know, under-evaluated, under, uh, I think. Um, Seathan Carter was part of that class, too, Nate Gary. And, you know, beyond that, you know, you had – Dwayne Johnson didn't finish his career at Nebraska. Greg Hart didn't finish his career at Nebraska. Kevin Gladney didn't. Ernest Suttles. Matt Finnan left early. Uh, Kevin Maurice ended up being a hit um, yep. late in that class. Bose Joseph, Chongo Condolo, Gabe Miller. I mean, it, it's, you know, when you kind of start to look at, you know, the last, how that kind of bleeds into the future eventually, that's a pretty good indication, I think, of, 
you know, what kind of happened aside from just those guys not being developed. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, look at the Big Ten ranks that year. That class was third in the Big Ten. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people, I mean, both newbies, there's a lot of excitement out of both of those guys. Uh, Marcus never had the career that anybody would have expected. With the, I mean, there was a lot of similarity to me between Marcus Newby and, and Mo Berry in terms of size and, and what maybe the expectations were and athleticism and play. And for Marcus Newby, it just never clicked. And it just, and there was times, like, he had those practices. I don't remember which fall it was where he looked like a man on fire. And everybody was excited about him. And then the game started, and he was nowhere to be found. So you have those situations. I mean, Johnny Stanton's name was in there. We know how that ended up. He's now on the the, the Vikings mini camp. I, I saw that you were wondering if he would be challenging. Uh, the I simply asked if Kirk Cousins needed to be concerned about that signing. I don't think so. Or not signing, but inviting. Uh, it, it would surprise me if he was. <laughs> so, I noticed that neither of you answered my questions, so I assume that there was a fair amount of hand-wringing going on about that. I don't think there was any hand-wringing at all, but are you excited about the Clayton Thorson era in Denver? Uh, it's actually going to be uh, – I don't think it's going to be Clayton Thorson. I think it's going to be Drew Locke. Yeah. Which I'm not any more excited about. Ah, is Clayton Thorson is Clayton Thorson this year's Mitch Leidner? Certainly seems like it if he's being considered a first round pick despite never putting up good numbers and being largely terrible. What pisses you guys off more? Is it the the day after the college basketball season ends, the bracketology for the following year, or the mock draft for the following year? the day after the the previous year's NFL draft? Probably the college basketball, but that's also the one that I have the least sort of knowledge of other teams about versus I feel like I have a better knowledge base of the upcoming slate of pro players for or potential pro players. So, I don't know. I'd say the mock draft. It just seems ridiculous. Is it because they never have the Vikings at 32? Because that gets me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you think that's the year? Yeah. Well, it's just like... These guys just never, you know, quit putting them at 30. I'm tired of this do, NFC do people it's, it's, um, it's almost like they're going off of history. Something like that. <laughs> There's those, uh, college football does the way too early top 25s, like right after the national Those are probably the too. most annoying, actually. Yeah. And, it, and people send them out, some people I even like, send them out like five to seven minutes after the game ends. <laughs> it's like, here you go. I always, it always kills me how like Kansas State's always like 18th in those things. Like <laughs> you can pretty much bet on it. Just trust the old man. Yeah, I think what you're doing is you're betting against the Big 12 a little bit though, and you're betting that there's just another Colin Klein coming around the corner. Yeah, they just found some guy in some random Kansas JUCO. When is Bill Snyder gonna retire? Never. Never. Nope. Do you have any thoughts on this? Are you uh, a never? Well, he. He can't live forever. Um, two years. Two years, I say. Two years. 2020. Does, okay. And Isn't he trying to work it so his son gets it? Is he still trying to pull that maneuver? I don't know. I, th- I think so. If he retires in 2020, what year will he be back coaching again? <laughs> 2022, is he back on the sidelines? That was funny the first time he did it because I remember thinking, like, uh, this isn't going to work because at that point, this sounds like being an ageist, but I was thinking, like, there's no way he's going to still have the goods after he'd stepped away and come back. And sure enough, 
And then it got me wishing that him and Tom would like hook up in a game sometime for old time's sake. He never beat Tom. Yeah. He did not. That is uh that probably sticks in his craw a little bit. All right, we are way away from any sort of topic here at this point. You can tell this podcast it's going very well. All right, look at the the roster going forward. We don't have to mock draft them or slide them in anywhere. Who next year do you think makes sense as potential pro prospects? Just looking at the senior players at this point. Well, I'll start with Stanley Morgan. Um, I don't know where he's going to fit in, but I he's at least going to be a mid-round guy, I think, and he could probably move up even a little higher into the, maybe that second day or something like that. Uh, which would be nice for Nebraska. I mean, I, I wrote about this. This is a stat where um, from 1970 to 2003, they always had a guy in the first three rounds. And since then, six times they haven't. So six of the last 15 drafts. Wow. They haven't had a guy in the first three rounds, which, of course, is – when if you if you even believe in this, which I don't necessarily do, but if you believe that this is a huge recruiting tool or whatever, maybe it is if you're like Alabama and you got like five guys going in one round or something. But if you're buy into that idea, it's just not been happening for Nebraska at all, and the trend is 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 really bad the last like four to five years. But so Stanley Morgan's the one guy I'd say could maybe bust through that wall a little bit. Um, I don't know. You look at like a guy like Gerald Foster and Tanner Farmer, strong guys who I think they're going to get stronger in that weight room this year. And by the time we're a year from now, yeah. I could see being pretty imposing dudes going to the combine or pro day or whatever their opportunity is. Do you think Nebraska's lack of team success offensively, like would they need, how do I want to phrase this? Would they need strong running production, even if it isn't necessarily because of them to really heighten their profile? Because I look at Nebraska's offensive line, and it's really tough to imagine. That's one of the things with Nick Gates. It's like, are you really going to take a lineman when overall the unit was terrible last year? Yeah, I think they. And, and I think that like it's hard. It's your one cog or your one piece of a five you know player unit, but when your offensive line isn't able to produce just menial or mm-hmm. average running back production. It, it's concerning, you know, if you're looking at it from a draft standpoint. Yeah, I think that needs to happen. I think also, I said Nebraska lost the benefit of the doubt as a whole when it comes to the draft and stuff like this. I think they've lost the benefit of the doubt when it comes to toughness, when it's like talking mm-hmm. about just like tough guys. Like I was listening to them talk about, People around here can make fun of Iowa all they want, but I think there's a perception in the NFL that Iowa has brings out tough guys. Like they bring tough linebackers and tough linemen, and those guys you're, you'll see them go off the board in the third or fourth round. It's not a, they don't have first round type dudes usually, but uh, they they've they've they usually they routinely have somebody in the middle there. They didn't knock it out of the park this year by any means, but. Wisconsin, I think, is the same way. I don't know their draft history fully, but I think you'll see linemen where that, you know, maybe you didn't even know about this offensive lineman from Wisconsin until his junior or senior year, but suddenly he's like a fourth-round draft pick. And some of that, I think, has to do with just the consistent production of mm-hmm. that line as a whole. It's like, oh, well, this guy's 6'6", 
and he's 310 pounds, and he's part of an offensive line that puts up the number seven rushing attack. Yeah, we'll use a fourth round pick on him. Yeah, like I, I think that there's there's got to be some sort of element to that, and that's why I wonder with somebody like Tanner Farmer, who physically probably fits the profile a little bit of of what you want, and he can move a little bit too. And you want guards that aren't too big that they can't move. I just wonder if if Nebraska has like a big offensive year from a statistical standpoint, if that heightens you know the mm-hmm. profile of those guys overall. If they do, and Farmer can maximize. He's a guy that right now I would think a lot of people would be like, no, no, no. But I think he's got that size and that, like mm-hmm. you say, the foot speed that he would be an intriguing prospect a year from now. Yeah, and I think he would do well in a combine environment too. Yeah, I would, would expect would him to lift for really well. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. It's interesting when you go kind of go back through Nebraska's recent history with drafted offensive linemen, like it's pretty bad. Like, Oh, yeah. You got Alex Lewis in 16. Starter. Spencer Long. As a guard, starter at fourteen, Marcel Jones in the seventh round in twenty twelve. No clue if he ever started. Keith Williams as a guard in two thousand eleven. Definitely played. Lydon Murtha as a tackle in two thousand. You're going back almost ten years here. Jeez, that's terrible. And then Matt Slauson was taken in the sixth round in two thousand nine. He's still in the NFL, right? Uh, he recently re-signed somewhere. I thought. He was with the Chargers last year. Yeah, the draft has not been kind. Then you get, I mean, like Quali and Searles, you got to recognize that Colts that they made it and have stuck in mm-hmm. um, their own through free. Well, agency. and uh, the Zach kid Sarup. out of Hastings, I can't think. Zach yeah. Sarup, yeah, yep. and that Zach Sarup's a perfect example where I, if you want to bring up somebody like people talk about Nick Gage right now, like no chance he'll make it. You know, that's out there. Well. They would have said the same thing about Starup, you know. Yeah, he lost probably his job. times ten. Yeah, and uh, he's hanging around. So that Gates just... took Starup's job. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he took his job in 2015. Then he played great as a six foot nine offensive guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and some of those guys, I I don't even I get. Don't mean it in a real negative way. This is probably human nature, but I've seen guys their senior year where they become different looking guys, and you, and I know it frustrates coaches sometimes. It's like where was this like two yeah. years ago? Now there's money on the table, but that's that's I can get it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody on the defensive side that you think could end up? I think. A name that pops into my head right away is Luke Gifford, if he could stay healthy right. and have a really productive year. Because I, he's another guy that I would suspect could test well. I don't know exactly. Do you know where do you think they would use him? I mean, well, he'd have I think to he could be, be an outside linebacker. I mean, he's, he's what, 6'3", 220 pounds. He feels well, like no, he's, he's much heavier. He's like two forty. Yeah. yeah, he feels like he has that frame, one of those great frames where he can like do with mm-hmm. do with it what he wants, kind of. You know, he could make it. Yeah. Between thirty five pounds of diff- this. Right, range. right. Well, I don't know if he's ever going to be two seventy five. That'd be interesting. Well, not from two forty. I mean, like from <laughs> two fifty to two twenty. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I, I think he would be someone. And then the other name that is intriguing to me, and part of this goes back to the conversation I had with Javon DeWitt about finding three, four outside linebackers. I think Antonio Reed 
mm-hmm. would be kind of interesting if he were to be slid down at the next level because he's probably not fast enough to be an NFL safety, but he seems like he'd be plenty fast to be an outside linebacker coverage guy. Maybe Brunt's shaking his head. No, sorry, no, I'm not. A, I was looking at the 2014 recruiting class on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball. I thought well, you had a really it? strong Antonio no. Reed. Yeah, opinion. I was like, Whoa. no, I totally agree with you. I, I was just. Looking at this class. You're talking about Reed and this guy over here is like <laughs> shaking it back Just and emphatically. forth. You're looking like Michael Scott yelling no in that gif. <laughs> Just, uh, here, here's your defensive class in 14. You ready? Know. Sorry. Uh, you you pl- keep going on Reed. I'm just going to keep talking over here. You go for it. Uh, Peyton Newell, Joe Keels, Freedom, Mick Stoltenberg, Luke Gifford, Trey Mosley, Kalu, Byerson Cockrell, Javon, Javon, Javon Walton, Chris Jones, Cedric King, DeAndre Wills, and that's it. Half of them ended up being starters. What about freedom? What do you guys think of uh, – could freedom make a push? I remember in high school, his high school coach always compared him to Alden Smith. He got a lot bigger than Alden Smith. I remember. I don't think Alden Smith was over 270. He's a lot more mature, probably, in well, real life. Yeah, Freedom, <laughs> Freedom's a great guy. I, I enjoy the random interactions that you'll have throughout a football season with him. I'm somewhat skeptical that he'd be an NFL guy because I don't know if he's yet been like a really good college player. He's shown flashes. He's physically, he's got the athleticism to do it. If you guys remember his 360 dunk from a couple years ago. Uh, he's obviously got a little bit of explosion to him, but I'd want to see him put results on the field at some point during his college career that line up with that. Yeah, he needs one of those senior years, and I don't dismiss that it could happen. Where you're just like, who is this guy? You know, yeah. like he just he's just making all sorts of plays, getting to the quarterback. Obviously, he needs that on on film, and you know, a guy like I would. Mention a guy like Stoltenberg. What you wonder with him, though, is is the knees, how they're going to hold up. They've obviously been an issue throughout college, and, you know, it's that grind would yeah. be wear, wear them down pretty good. If he doesn't make it in the NFL, he's 100% penciled in as a strength coach somewhere, right? Like, that's just a I – mean, we're, we're just, just go move seamlessly that. into that role. Yeah. I, freedom's interesting because, you know, I feel like for – going on a couple of years now like different strength staffs have looked at him in a way where it's kind of like we're going to add weight to him we're going to get him lighter like it's just been like this ever kind of evolving yo-yo of like what they see his role being what weight he needs to be to do it and I kind of wonder if you know just having a new strength coach there and maybe just a set plan would help him more. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's always just kind of been, like, adjusting to this body that, like, hasn't ever quite clicked, if yeah. that makes sense. No, that's true. I've never seen him more comfortable, like, interacting with us than he was a few weeks ago when he was up there for, like, 15 minutes. And um, he's never had a problem talking to media, but he it, kind of goofy exchanges. But he there was kind of a maturity about him and – that I was impressed with where you, you saw him, I saw him as more of kind of a leader just in the way he could communicate. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. And I think that's a role that he has embraced maybe, mm-hmm. albeit maybe a little bit begrudgingly, but it's kind of been an elder as a defensive lineman for a while, which 
yeah. is interesting in part because of as brunch ran through, you just haven't had other guys in that room that have stuck around. I mean, DeAndre Wills was in Lincoln for two days. Demaria Mixon was in Lincoln for less than two days. Uh, you, Randy Gregory left after two years. And you just haven't had defensive ends that have gone through the program. I mean, he's one of the rare guys, and he even moved over from tight end. I think people forget that. Like, he, he changed positions early in his career, and he's a veteran that is one of the few five-year guys there. I mean, Cedric King, but he moved outside linebacker, and he's never really played. Yeah. I'll tell you, though, that the NFL draft is one of the more humbling things that for covering these guys for the last decade or so where you see guys – like there's this belief kind of leading into it. Oh, I'm going to get drafted, you know, as they're going through college. And then even after pro day, there's some guys who, you know, you'll talk to and I, I admire their optimism, but you can tell they think they're going to get drafted. And I'm just thinking like, it's probably not going to happen, you know, and it, it, it is such a humbling deal for guys who have been the best at, athletes at their high school and then started at a college and then to suddenly go seven rounds and realize there's a lot of guys just like you out there that's tough does david neville end up having the best pro career out of anybody for these guys does he have like 10 year 10 year career in, in canada best in terms of longevity yeah well yeah i mean he's kind of got an in that nobody else has but i don't know if it would be best in terms of financial or production how's tanner lee gonna do i bet he hangs around for a while yeah i i think that he's i mean you look at the nfl's dearth of quarterbacks i think he's got a great chance to be a uh, clipboard holder or a backup quarterback for a long time <laughs> that's kind of that's a compliment i guess i don't yeah know. i mean i <laughs> can make a lot of money doing that yeah like i that's not a bad life yeah by any means, and they're going to get an opportunity invariably where he's going to have to play. How he does, he landed in a seen. good spot. Yeah, I think he strikes me as kind of like the, the there was like that run of Oregon State quarterbacks for a while with like Derek Anderson, Matt Moore was the other one. Like those types of guys, they're always just kind of hanging around, and you're like, oh, he's with the Packers now, or he's with the they like make a start in week twelve for yeah. somebody, and then and then sometimes they'll have like a pretty good game. And kind of be the talk for like a week and then kind of go back to being a backup. But then Ryan Tannehill comes back and gets his job. <laughs> Cleveland Browns consider trading for him because Baker Mayfield has turned into a gigantic bust. For example. Yeah. Just throwing out that <laughs> scenario, which seems very likely to me. What did you guys do? What were your other takeaways from the draft that don't have to be Nebraska based? You well, probably didn't. Did you even really pay attention? I was watching it during the baseball. Well, I think. We haven't mentioned it, but, I mean, Central Florida had four guys taken and was this, you know, you have one guy in Mike Hughes who's taken on night one, so that gets you your name out there then. And then yet they had two more taken the next night. And then Shaquem Griffin's the story of Saturday because everybody's into that story. Um, and so this staff, it was a bad draft for Nebraska, but – it is good for the staff that when they're talking to kids, they can be like, yeah, look where we just went. We put kids in the NFL. And I was talking to Javon DeWitt about this on Friday because he was at the draft. And I was saying, how often does the NFL come up when you're talking to a recruit? And he says every day. Yeah. Like, every I, yeah. conversation is almost at some point it it works its way in. 
And he understands that because everybody wants to get paid when it's all said and done in this game. And if you can say, yeah, we've done this and this is how we did it. And this guy just happened a year ago. Remember Shaquem Griffin? Yeah, I, we decided to change positions and we helped make him who he is, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's come up with recruits talking about Javon DeWitt quite a bit. I mean, um, Gamon Euford from Deerfield Beach mentioned that a couple weeks ago after the spring game that Javon DeWitt was really intriguing to him because he was, in, in this recruit's mind, one of the reasons that Shaquem Griffin is a household name as a college football player, in addition to the obstacles that he had to overcome and the freakish nature of that athleticism, but he feels that it was DeWitt that helped get him in the right spot and ultimately helped him become that player. And obviously, you know, DeWitt's going to be talking as if that's true and this kid mm-hmm. believes it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a really important thing. I think not just because you and I are Vikings fans, but Mike Hughes was important for this staff in part because Travis Fisher, I still think, has the toughest job out of anybody in this recruiting cycle, and that's finding – defensive backs that he can plug and play very early in their career and you point to somebody like Mike Hughes who's a very talented player and I don't want to make it seem like they just found him and he turned out to be this you know diamond in the rough this is a guy that was going to North Carolina that was probably going to play early in his career got a situation happened there he had to go to Garden City and they were able to take advantage of of that talent get him into Central Florida and he flourished like but you can still utilize that you help develop and get him to the point that he went from Garden City on short notice to UCF, became one of your key players in that run. I think that it's a, a very valuable thing for Travis Fisher. And I really, I mean, defensive back recruiting is probably the thing that I'm going to be harping on the most as they go through this cycle. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's so important, and they just haven't had guys in for visits. They haven't been linked with anybody particularly notable as as cornerbacks at this point and we're now three months fully into the cycle and you start to wonder okay when does this really pick up Mm -hmm. or is it and and maybe that's unfair but I, I think that's one of the things that you're seeing on the message board I think it's you know I've talked about it quite a bit at some point you kind of want to see these guys end up on campus for visits yeah Mike Hughes is I was thinking about this. Think about his situation a year ago. I mean, he's trying to get out of Garden City. Yeah. And, you know, that that's kind of a scramble. And to get to UCF and a year later you're drafted. That It's like that fine line. And that there's so many of those guys, like in the JUCO, it's that fine line between not getting out at all and yeah. then a future you can, millionaire. Yeah, where he is now. You guys are pretty excited to have him, though, right? Oh, yeah. It probably means the end of Marcus Sherrill's, right? So I don't have to see any more fair catches inside the 10-yard line? I didn't. Dis- I liked little Marcus, but. Yeah. I, I could leave him. I also like the idea of having a kick returner again, you know, after yeah. you go from Cordero Patterson, which always made that an exciting and sometimes frustrating moment of the game. Now you have Mike Hughes, who I think can really – uh, play that position so yeah i'm i'm excited about it that's this week's version of viking vikings corner brought to you by grain belt uh, we can <laughs> we can discuss uh, the denver broncos getting bradley chubb and von miller that's kind of exciting they got they got chubb they got chubb they got josie jewel 
Fumagalli, yeah. Royce Freeman. A lot of grit on that team. They, they got kind John, of the all-name draft over there. John Elway watched a lot of Nebraska film last year, apparently. <laughs> that was – oh, man. There was no absence of Nebraska in the NFL draft if you count the amount of times that they were showing highlights of players and what they were doing to Nebraska. I mean, it was it was rough. It was rough. That, that was well noted in the baseball yeah. press box that Nebraska was getting a lot of face time in that draft. Every single time – well, the best player available is Akram Wadley. <laughs> it's like, oh, I remember that run and that one and that one. Not great. Or all the Iowa linemen or anybody from Ohio State. It seemed like Memorial Stadium from October was getting some run there. It's not great. Well, is it is it pronounced Herbert? Justin Herbert? I always pronounce it a bear in my head. But the, I thought it was Hebert. I would pronounce it. There's going to be a lot of Nebraska highlights from him for next year too. From him, I think he played well. I thought he played really well that day. But granted, when you see what happened the rest of the season, did he play that well? I don't know. In those way too early mock drafts, he's like number two. Really? Yeah. I take him over Clayton Thorson, though. Oh sure. I mean, that's just me. I would take Brian over Clayton Thorson. You've had enough Northwestern quarterback experience. Yes. Who's now the backup for one Kirk Cousins? <laughs> I've seen how that movie goes. Oh, I don't think he'll ever play, so I'm not worried about it. All right, uh, recruiting real quickly. Ramir Johnson named his top four. Nebraska's in that group along with Boston College, Rutgers, and very randomly Old Miss. Uh, I think there's five predictions in now for Nebraska to land him on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. If either of you haven't made your prediction yet, you might want to do it here shortly because I think this decision gets wrapped up by the end of the second week of May, and I think Nebraska walks away with their fifth commitment, second running back, Ramir Johnson, fast. Mm. Those are my thoughts. Feel free to add anything. Does Nebraska add a third running back, or are they done? So here's what is intriguing to me, because if they have Thomas Grayson – they have Ramir Johnson, you're losing Mikhail Wilbon, you're losing Divino Zigbo, and you don't know about Trey Bryant. I think you absolutely can take a third running back in this class, but it it should be somebody that's maybe a little bit more high risk, high reward. And that's where John Bivens and uh, questions about kind of his academics and questions about his health because of an injury come in there. And I think that John Bivens, who visited Nebraska for the spring game, has a lot of interest in Nebraska. I think he would make sense. Or there's there's other running backs that are certainly going to fit that high-risk profile. But that what this does, and I think this is kind of valuable, it opens up Ryan Held to go help recruit in other ways for Nebraska. I mean, then he can just go be your point man at all of the JUCOs. He doesn't have to worry or focus as much about running back on 2019. He can kick it forward to 2020. Uh, I think that it's a... If they're able to get this Ramir Johnson commitment and if they decide they don't need a third running back, or even if they do, you don't have to expend as much energy on that. But it opens up Ryan Held. I mean, he was a point man for a lot of different people for him in their short amount of time in December. The guy is a tireless recruiter by all accounts. I think he's been to several states already here since they've gone out on the road. You know, Mississippi, Kansas, Missouri. Uh, I don't know if he stopped in Oklahoma yet. Texas, Arizona. So he's, he's been all over the map. Florida, I think, is where he's either headed next or he's already been. So to me, long answer that continues to get longer, I think you, you absolutely take a third running back and if you can get somebody, like I said, that you really want and that you can maybe be a little bit riskier with. 
and it helps you in terms of the next three weeks getting Ryan held to different schools and seeing different people. That was a good rundown right there. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, Nebraska's looking at quarterbacks. They have stopped in to see some familiar names. They will stop in to see Luke McCaffrey here pretty soon. There's a guy in Alabama that I think is kind of intriguing, and if you guys watch his film, you might think so as well, named J.D. Martin. Uh, he had like 3,800 total yards, 2,000 of which were running. He is a six foot, 170 pound, just kind of do everything offensive player that sort of fits in terms of a developmental quarterback. I think he's a little bit down the board. Uh, Nebraska's going to see him here at some point. Um, he's been talking a lot lately with Verduzco. They saw Michael Johnson Jr. out in Oregon here recently. Another very good athlete. Um, much more of a dual threat than uh, somebody like J.D. Martin who would need a lot of work in the passing game. But I, I think that, again, I've kind of said this, I don't think that there is concern about finding someone that can play very early in his career as they are about finding someone who can really fit an athletic profile and can really give you something different. And uh, we'll see where that goes. But I, I continue to bet on Luke McCaffrey being part of Nebraska's plans going forward. And that's kind of what I got in terms of recruiting at the moment. Anything else that you guys have noticed on the Twitters and or your phones? What do you think about Garrett Snodgrass not having a position yet? Is that interesting to you? Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think I don't think you have to because I think he's he would be fine at either tight end or outside linebacker. Well, he had a hell of a day down in Dallas on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, and, and you saw good increases in those numbers from what he did the year before. I mean, I, I don't think there's a concern. I feel like he's a guy that... Where would you play him? Um, or do you care? I care. I care. Um, I, I think I think given Nebraska's depth at tight end, I don't think that... I, I think he makes more sense on defense. But, you know, you, you've got Juergens, you've got Legrone, you've got potentially Justin McGriff also sliding into tight end. You've got the guys. Are they, are they going to move McGriff? Because I thought they were going to keep him in a wide receiver, at I, least I, for the fall. Well, for the fall, but I think if he adds weight as he goes through his career, I could, you could see that change. But I, I think right now I would say outside linebacker, but you know, beyond that I think you know he'd be fine and productive at either spot. Right. Are you concerned? Are you concerned? I'm not concerned about it. Okay. I, well, I, well, I did lose an hour of sleep to it last night. <laughs> Actually, it's because I was watching an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I'm concerned that I managed to screw up the mascot name of the York High School that I played when I was in high school. Mike that Babcock I, would have Yeah, I apologized to Babcock <laughs> on Twitter. He didn't respond. So apparently Yeah, well. He might have been lost in the avalanche of hockey tweets. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Salty. <laughs> Um, Those Maple Leafs fans that was, are brutal. That was embarrassing for me. I, what I think is, can I offer a theory? Yeah, sure. I think they like Snodgrass as an inside linebacker, but they don't want to have him as an inside linebacker commit until they get one other inside linebacker commit in the state. Does that make any sense? Is that a, or am I just pulling that out of the air? I see what you're saying. So. Nick Heinrich, for those that can't follow, pretty <laughs> obvious clues there. I don't know if he's the kind of guy that would be turned off by another person at his position, and Nebraska can't really play those games. They can't afford to. But I wonder if that's a small part of it. That's an interesting theory. 
So I just put it together in my head. Yeah. Got no help on that. Snodgrass one. is what about two twenty, two twenty five right now. Not that six big three. Yet. Well, so two seventeen. I think he yeah. was his measurement at the opening. Yeah, you can you can get him up to the six three two seventeen two forty. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, he reminds me a lot of Luke Gifford in um, just kind of the frame and the athleticism and sort of you know Gifford. There's questions as to where you'd want to play him. I mean, he's heavier now than I think Gifford ever was in high school. Yeah. But there's just some similarity there, and that this guy's a, a good athlete, played quarterback. Gifford could have played tight end if they would have needed him there. Um, you know, Snodgrass could play any position on defense from nose tackle all the way back to safety, I and mean, it's just kind of whatever York needs. So Slider wants to get on the podcast here. He's trying. He tried with you earlier. So I think that's our, our international sign to wrap it up. It's the clue. BC, good luck with your dentist appointment. I will. Yeah, I need to you share this. something with you quick. Okay. It's from J. Cole. It's called Head Bussa. <laughs> and J. Cole once penned these lyrics. She said, boy, you want your cake and eat it too. I said, it's cake. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> wow. J. Cole, Head Bussa. Bus, p- Head Bussa. <laughs> I don't know. And with that, <laughs> we conclude the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. As always, be sure to check out everything we've got at nebraska.247sports.com. And we will be back with you maybe uh, for a special twangy edition of the Nebraska 24-7 podcast this week. Might have guests. Is yeah. it too early to say we might have guests? Do we, should we tell people where we're going to be? That's nah, all right. All right. Well, you can't know. Brunt won't let you know. Well, we'll tell you next week. <laughs> the Nebraska 24-7 podcast.